Welcome to the Alexander Standard. Today's episode, Alexander the Great, Part 1. Welcome to the Alexander Standard. My name is Dustin. And I'm Meredith. And we are ranking all the successors of Alexander the Great from Perdiccas to... Cleopatra 7. That's right. All right, so this is, like we were saying earlier, this is kind of like episode three or four or something like that. Yeah, episode three, but if we went by the number of times we've attempted to record episode five. Oh, got to be at least (laughs) six or seven or something like that. So, Meredith... What do you say we jump into some Alexander? I'm excited. You are excited? I am excited. Good. Well, it's 937, so if you're excited at 937, that's really optimistic It's for me. a good sign. We've got at least an hour out of me. Right. Last time we talked about what is Greece, how does one Greece, what's going on in Macedon, and then we talked about Alex's dad. Yeah. Philip II. Sorry, there will be a Philip V. But now we're going to just charge right into Alexander. The idea there is, again, if we're talking about how everyone is holding themselves up to the standard, because <laughs> this is the name of our, uh, name of our podcast, is Alexander Standard. Everyone's holding up to the standard of Alexander. Well, we need to talk about who this man is. Yeah. So, Although I did enjoy getting to learn about his dad. Um, but if I'm remembering correctly, last we saw Alexander, he had a bit of a fit at his dad's wedding reception ran away quickly with his mother, and then, oh my gosh, Philip died. Yeah, and everyone's like, hey, Alexander was here right when his dad died. That's weird. That's, I mean, that's great timing. That makes for a smooth succession, but... Totally glad it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. Right. Well, let's go back. So Alexander is son of Philip II, of course, but because Philip had seven wives, it bears... Pointing out mm-hmm. which one was Alexander's mom, and that was his fourth wife. Olympias. Olympias. I remember from the last episode, you said you really liked her name. I do. Yeah, it does sound badass. Let me tell you, she's a badass lady. Yeah, so, well, and when you have the only image of her in your mind is also Angelina Jolie. Even more badass. There are some casting choices that are just perfect, and that mm-hmm. was one of them. Uh, Maybe the only one. Con- yes, for that movie. I was going to say, conversely... <laughs> Colin Farrell, not a good idea. Not his fault. No. So Alexander's mom is Olympias. She was, and she married Philip on, um, in the year 357. Mm Mm-hmm. A year later, July 21st, Alexander is born. Cool. If he was just born 10 days earlier, we could have shared a birthday. All right. So to start off, Alexander is born. He's born. There he is. It happened. He did it. He, did, he was born. Before we go any further, I want to demonstrate my complete lack of integrity and my complete bias. Because as you know, I have an opinion about Alexander. Oh, yeah. You hate him. I just want to go ahead and get that out there. It's more yeah. of like a disclaimer. I am not to be trusted <laughs> in the sense that I'm biased here. No, I'm excited to see what I think at the end of this episode because you and other friends that study the classics and everything, no one seems to like him. And here's the reason why. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of give you my metaphor. You want to imagine this arrogant, loud dude that you know with tousled hair that he never fixes, but somehow it always looks cool and that makes you angry. He wears sunglasses with those cords on the back that he never actually wears his sunglasses. He wears pastel polos with the with the collar popped. He might even be that guy who would wear two polos on top of each other with both collars popped. And those chubby shorts that a lot of dudes wear, which also are pastel colored, and boat shoes. 
And to make it all worse, he's the kind of guy that gets drunk all the time and starts screaming invariably, Do you know who my dad is? And for some reason... He is the standard. And everyone likes him. We're gonna go for it. Even though you know everyone hates him, they all like him. Yeah. And yes, I'm jealous. Okay. So, now that I've vented some anger... Yeah. Right. Let's start with the etymology of his name. Okay. Pretty straightforward. Defender of the people. Aww. Yeah. Which is weird because he's going to be, he's going to massacre thousands of people, if not millions. Didn't say all the people. Yeah, <laughs> just some of them. Some of them. Right. Yours. Right. Okay. Now, Alexander is the great, so he can't have a boring birth. So his birth is surrounded by legends. Olympias dreamt that her womb was struck by lightning. Oh, goodness. And it caused a fire to spread far and wide, but mm. then immediately extinguish itself. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um,. Philip, on the other hand, this is weird. He dreamed that he sealed his wife's womb, and the image on the seal was a lion. I don't know. I'm hoping... Is that supposed to echo to Hercules or something? Yes. Brilliant. Because the the family... Philip's dynasty is the Argiad dynasty, mm-hmm. and, they, and they trace their lineage directly back to Hercules. Okay. Uh, There was also an occasion where Philip, you're going to love this, Philip comes in and he's like, Olympias is in bed and there's this... Oh, oh, and she has her snake. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right. So drawn on Queen's podcast here, um, Philip came in one night and there was a snake in her bed and I think it was there for like some sort of like religious purposes or beliefs she had, but he got all upset about it. Yeah, it was like in the source that I read, it took away his amorous desire for her. Um, But it was also supposedely a sign of Zeus Mm. because he he consulted some priests and they're like, well, what you got to do is you got to make a sacrifice to Zeus because this is a sign. Now, according to Plutarch's interpretation of these dreams, Olympias may have already been pregnant and the father of Alexander was therefore Zeus. Hence hence the snake, yeah. Hence the do you know who my dad is in incoming years. Right. Also, well, it's funny you say that because there's also the idea that she could have pumped his head full of this crap. Make him fall asleep. It's like, there was a snake and there was your dad and then there was a lion. And then then your dad wasn't there anymore. And you were here. Oh, I remember what it was. It was connected to another prophecy because like... Philip, when the, with the snake thing, Philip supposedly came in all creepy-like and was, like, peeking in on her while she slept, and that's when he saw the snake, and he freaked out! And, like, he went to see the priest, and the priest was like, yeah, your son's gonna be great, you should make a sacrifice to Zeus. By the way, that the, whatever eye you used to look into the room, don't get used to it. You're gonna lose it. Because Philip... And he did lose he an did. eye. Yeah. To, to sum all this up for Alexander... Here's a selection from Plutarch. He was born. Indeed. Moreover, Olympias, when she sent Alexander forth upon his great expedition, told him and him alone the secret of his begetting, and made him have purposes worthy of his birth. So you better do a good job. Others, on the contrary, say that she repudiated the idea and said, Alexander needs to stop slandering me to Hera. (laughs) You get that? Yeah. 
But I'll be honest with you, from what we know of Hera, she does not need that kind of stress in her life. No. Zeus was terrible. Not another one. Yeah, right. Supposedly on the same day that Alex was born, Philip heard that one of his generals scored a major victory. Philip's horses won at the Olympic Games. The Temple of Artemis, you're going to like this, one of the seven wonders of the world burned down that day. I felt like we were trending pretty positive there until that point. Yeah. Uh, but supposedly the reason why was because Artemis was checking out Alex's birth, or she was helping with the birth. I was like, is she helping, or is she just spectating? Well. She's giving, maybe she's giving encouragement. Well, no. I was just thinking about, like, years on, 15th, 16th century, you did have witnesses at royal births to basically ensure they weren't imposter babies. That's a good point. Um, now, obviously, a goddess wasn't actually there, but... Well, it's funny you say that, because then some people were speculated, like, it might have been Alexander making all this up to pump up his image. That's true. Later in his life, he gets all about that propaganda stuff, and he wants to make himself larger than life. His childhood was pretty normal. For a Macedonian noble, he was raised by tutors who taught him to read, play the lyre, or lyre, lyre. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and to ride on a horse, fight, and hunt. In 346, Alexander is 10 years old. He gets his one of his most treasured gifts. He gets his horse, Bucephalus. I'm smiling so big. Now, for all of, I mean, even I'll say this, for all of Alexander's crap and all of stupidity, he uh, absolutely loved that horse. Yeah. Yeah. Took it, he, like, he rode this horse all the way through his campaigns so that horse went from Macedon to India. Poor baby. Right. One day a merchant came to town. Wanted to sell Philip, his dad, a horse. I want to sell a man a horse. And at first the horse refused to let anyone ride him. So Philip's like, well, this sucks. And sent, goodbye charm, and sent the horse away. Alexander, however, he saw that the horse was afraid of its own shadow. And he said that he knew how to tame the horse. At first Philip was kind of like this kid and he's like all right fine do it what are you gonna do if you can't do it and he's like i'll pay for it and no one said hey you're a kid you don't have any money but they let it they took him up on the bet yeah and he alexander was just nice to the horse and he mm -hmm. made it feel comfortable and then he jumped on top of it and somehow miraculously it worked philip was overjoyed and with tears in his eyes he embraced alexander kissed him proclaimed my boy you must find a kingdom big enough for your ambitions macedon is too small for you you see, at this point in his life, Philip had developed quite the speech impediment. <laughs> and Philip bought the horse for Alexander, and Alexander named his horse Bucephalus, meaning ox head. And I did some research since first telling you that, and apparently that is because the uh, someone had branded an ox head on the horse's butt. That is so mean. <laughs> That's probably why he wouldn't let anyone ride. He'd be like, like the last time someone last came up on me, I up. got burned, literally. And it's like, <laughs> I have the scar in the shape of an ox head to prove it. It's very traumatic, and now you've named me Ox Head, so every day I'm just going to remember. And it's on my butt, so then I'm connecting like, I'm Ox Head Butt. Ox Head Butt. Ox Head Butt. Three years later, at the age of 13 in 343, Alexander gets a new tutor. Philip starts looking around for a new tutor for his young son. There were multiple candidates, but Philip eventually chose a guy named Aristotle. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. Aristotle cool. had studied in Athens. He studied under Plato. 
Uh, he was born in 384, and he died in 322, so he actually outlived Alexander by a year. Well, so did a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, Alex, uh, Aristotle was born in Stagira on the Chalcidian Peninsula. Now, pop quiz time. We talked about the Chalcidian Peninsula in the episode about Philip. Do you happen to remember the fate of the Chalcidian Peninsula? It burned. That could have been a nine guess. Nine times out of ten. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, ever something was burned down. That's what I meant. But yeah, you're correct. That was one of the cities that uh, Philip had raised to the ground after the Chalcidian League had revolted against him. And so Aristotle said, yeah, I'll come teach your son. But please rebuild my town. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the deal. Uh, he uh, agreed to become the head of the Royal Academy of Macedon. Mm. Aristotle studied and taught everything, including... <gasps> physics, biology, zoology, metaphysics, logic, ethics, aesthetics, poetry, theater, music, rhetoric, linguistics, economics, politics, meteorology, geology, and government. Now, yes, I'm naming a lot of fields there, and for everything that you raise an eyebrow at, the it comes with the disclaimer of what the Greeks called it. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. That was more me trying, like, when you were like, zoology, I'm like, this is a cow. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is a cow. Oh, that, that's it for today, guys. This is a horse. I'll name it Oxhead. <laughs> oh, Alexander, you have so much studying to do. But specifically, he was the tutor for Alexander, but also for other young nobles, many of whom were Alexander's friends and future generals. I mention their names because they will either now or later become very important. Perdiccas. Maybe. I don't know. No. What I've got is there. Ptolemy. <gasps> He's going to be really important. Really important. Hephaestion, Alexander's friend and or roommate. Is that the one he kills? Nope, that guy's okay, coming. Okay. And then another person named Cassander who becomes important much later on. But there were also some Persian exiles in the Macedonian court, which may have been an uh, influence on, Ma on Alex later in his life. Might have been. So, from Aristotle, Alexander learned medicine, philosophy, morals, religion, logic, and art. Apparently, Alexander was quite the smart kid, although if he was a spoiled brat that I think he was, I'm sure people told him he was brilliant. But supposedly, <laughs> he could quote Euripides from memory. But Alexander particularly loved Homer, especially mm -hmm. the Iliad. And it is said that Alex carried Aristotle's personal, annotated copy of the Iliad, the Trojan War, with him on his campaigns, and he would keep it under his pitot when he slept at night, Aww. alongside a dagger. And I can just imagine, in the middle of the night, he gets a hankering to read some Iliad, and he reaches around under his pillow, and oh my god, I stabbed myself again. Oh no! Now, at age 16, in the year 340, we have the beginning of Alex's political career. His education came to an end, and he became the regent of Macedon when his dad went on campaign. Cool. One of his many military campaigns. So now Alex is left behind, and he's not like, he's not in charge of everything. He has people looking after him, but he's the one that's holding the seal. Yeah. This is like the designation of, you're going to be my heir. Yeah. Right. Like, for all intents and purposes. And Alex gets tested immediately. Because, are you hiding behind the pop filter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex gets tested immediately because while Philip was gone, another Thracian tribe, and these are people that are to the north and east of Macedon, Alexander responded quickly, gathered some troops, crushed the rebels, and swept them out of the territory. And in place 
he did something that he's going to do a lot of later. He founded a new city, and he named it... After himself. Yes, but not what you'd think. It's not Alexandria. It's no, it's like Alexanderopolis. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Alexandropolis, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, after Philip returned, he was very impressed by what Alexander had accomplished, and he said, you can keep hanging out with me. Come yeah. around. Come along, kid. He said, but that name is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuck with Alexander, and that's why he named all subsequent cities Alexandria. And we have no <laughs> historical evidence to validate this. So Alexander starts tagging along with Dad when he goes to work which is battles and stuff, and this cool. culminates, of course, leading up to the Battle of Chironea in 338. That's right, Charm. And this is where Philip faced a coalition of Greek states led by Athens and Thebes who were resisting his domination of Greece. And in this battle, uh, Alexander commanded the left wing opposite the Thebans. Philip's on the right. Alexander broke through the Theban lines, which allowed Philip to push back against and rout the Athenians. The Thebans were abandoned, surrounded, and massacred. Now, the significance there is that the Thebans actually were well known for a particular military unit, kind of an elite military unit that they had called the Sacred Band. They were famous for the fact that they would never, re they would never retreat. So Alexander... Maybe they should have. They should have, because Alexander <laughs> killed them. And then we know after that, after Chironea, Philip oversaw the formation of the League of Corinth because he's the top man in town now. No one's going to push back against him. The consolidation of his control over Greece. And it's where he announced his plans to invade the Persian Empire. As you mentioned at the beginning, however, before even this kicks off, Alexander and Philip have some squabbles. Yeah. So that same year in 338, Philip's getting married again yep. for the seventh time. Which gives us the infamous, am I a bastard? Yep. One of Philip's generals, named Attalus, made a toast, praying to the gods that the marriage would produce a, a legitimate heir. And this angered Alex. He threw a cup at Attalus and accosted him, saying, as Meredith said, Am I a bastard? <laughs> Philip rose up to, def to defend Attalus, but he tripped because he was old. He yeah. was drunk. Even, yeah, which yeah. Which is what Alex pointed out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I remember even in the uh, last episode, I commented that, like, if the historical sources are saying that he was too, he old, was for that too old for that girl, you're like, oh, God, he this must He must have been, been disgusting, awful. yeah. At this party, when Alex throws a cup at Atlas and Philip gets mad, and he, he pulls his sword out, and he's going to... You know, it's going to chastise that boy. Well, he gets Trips drunk and, and he falls. slips. And Alex yeah. makes fun of that. He's just like, look, this is this guy that's going to conquer the Persians. He can't even get off the couch. And then uh, Alex and his mom licked it. Yes, they left town. immediately. They were like, go, mom, go, go, as, go, go. As someone I knew would always say, like, they kicked rocks. Yeah. And they were gone. <laughs> uh, by 337, he left Olympias with her brother, another king in a kingdom to the west called Epirus. Uh, Alex himself sought refuge even more farther north uh, in Illyria, which complete barbarians. But Philip apparently never intended to disown Alexander. He was just mad and drunk, as it happens. Uh, six months later, a family friend convinced Philip to reconcile with Alexander. Kind of the thing of like, he's gonna be your heir. And it's like, we don't have anyone else right. that's been through the training. Because there is another brother. So Alex came back, but still gonna have some problems. Where a year later after he'd returned, a Persian governor, Pixodorus, offered his eldest daughter to Alexander's half-brother, Arhidaius. We're going to talk about Arhidaius more soon. Um, 
But Olympias and many of Alexander's friends told Alex that this was a sign that Philip wanted to make Arhadias the heir. Mm. Basically, he's like, he's trying to cut you out. So in response, Alex sent one of his friends to convince that Persian governor to give his daughter's hand in marriage to Alex instead. Mm. And when Philip heard about this, he stopped the negotiations cold. He chastised Alex and he told it, and he told him that he, that is Philip, he wanted Alex to marry a better bride. And then he exiled four of Alex's friends, including Ptolemy, and had the friend that talked to the Persian governor brought in, brought in chains, so he threw him in prison. So Alexander got all Did of his friends in trouble. Well, I don't we don't hear anything more about him, so he may have just rotted in prison for all we know. No. Uh, but basically again, so Alex's friends convince him to do something stupid. He does it. His dad yells at him. Who gets in trouble? The friends. His friends. Yeah. Two years later, however, it doesn't even matter. Because she's dead. Well, he's dead. Philip's dead. Philip's dead. We heard that story at the wedding of one of Philip's daughters. Philip was assassinated. Yeah. His ass got assinated. <laughs> the assassin was killed immediately. The army immediately I'm a proclaimed Alexander king on the spot. Mm. And leads to the question. Was Alex in on it? I read today that <laughs> right before the murder like, happened. That he was. Yes. No. <laughs> right before the murder happened, there's a rumor that the murderer, Pausanias, came to Alexander and he was just like, what do? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm mad. What, what do? What do I do? And Alex quoted a line from a play, which was kind of like, hint, hint, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And the line was... Kill my dad. Yes. <laughs> It was. It was very coded. It was like, kill the bride, to kill the father of the bride, and to kill whoever she's marrying. That's jerky. That's his sister. Right. Her future isn't long. Oh. Yeah. Nevertheless, they can't prove. we can't prove anything. That's just a rumor. We'll never yeah. know. The assassin was killed immediately. Alexander's proclaimed king immediately. So now, what do? Well, what Alexander does is he just starts killing people. I've got bad news for you, Meredith. Oh, kind of... Bit Octavian, getting Augustus. Rid of, yeah. mm-hmm. Getting rid of rivals. Yeah. Do you remember um, in the previous episode how Philip became king? Oh, no. Yep. So, oh, they ca- I mean, he's not a kid now. I imagine no. he's an adult. Oh, he's definitely an adult now. Uh, so. But yeah, for anybody that may not remember. Yeah, why don't you go, go ahead, ahead and. and yeah, so Philip's brother was king. He had a child. And then when Philip's brother passed away, that child was still a child. And as they say on Queen's podcast, babies don't need jobs. So Philip stepped in, but we didn't kill the kid. We've presumably just let him grow up as a noble in Macedon. But now what you're telling me is that Alexander's <laughs> circled back around and killed him. Yeah. When this kid was probably just like, this has been a really nice life. Yeah. I'm quite content. Oh, God. Basically, so his, no. the kid's name was Amentos IV. He was king in 359, replaced by Philip. Philip had not killed this kid. Yeah. But Alexander said, well, that's a mistake. I'm going to kill this kid. (laughs) And he killed a few other nobles. Yeah. Remember that General Attalus that pissed him (laughs) off at the wedding? Oh, no. He's dead. (laughs) He saw him as a threat. I just want to keep calling him Mentos. Um, A Mentos. A Mentos. Oh, (laughs) a Mentos. The Fresh King. Yeah, the Fresh King. Uh, he could have teamed up with him. Was that a thought? Well, that was a thought, but it was also rumored that he was conspiring with the Athenians. 
to rebel against Alexander. Oh, my God. And that's probably valid because in a minute... The Athenians are going to rebel. Everyone's going to rebel against <laughs> Alexander. So Alexander's just killing everybody, except for his half-brother, Arhidaeus, who, from what we can tell, Alexander loved his half-brother, and he protected him, and he took care of him. He took him everywhere with him. Arhidaeus was always by his side. What type of um, age difference is this? A younger brother, or older brother? I believe Arhidaeus is older. Mm-hmm. I don't know off the top of my head how much. Yeah. We do know that Arhidaeus seems to have had some sort of uh, cognitive disability, perhaps. Mm-hmm. There is a rumor that he was poisoned by Olympias, Alex's mom, because they have different moms. Olympias supposedly saw Arhidaeus as a threat to her son, mm-hmm. and so she was poisoning Arhidaeus in a manner that she knew would hinder his cognitive development or it would hurt him somehow, and that disqualified him in everyone's eyes from the monarchy. But Alexander took care of his brother um, to the very end, which is why Arhidaeus lives longer than Alex. Yeah. Yeah. However, Olympias got a little crazy during this time, and she said, I want to get on the killing too. And so she killed Cleopatra Eurydice, Philip's final wife, and her son and daughter. Oh, so there were children. Yes. And apparently, Alex was furious at this. Well, I mean, I guess I get killing your cousin if they're from a... Would be his half-sibling. No, I'm circling back to um, Philip's nephew. Oh, yeah, well, he was previously king. Yeah, 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 no, that makes sense. He's been king. He's in direct line. He is of an age to be a rival. But yeah, I guess I could, yeah, I could right. view, um, yeah, I could see Alex taking a view oh. to these younger siblings of like their tiny children. Yeah, and people don't generally displace grown men ah. for tiny children. Well, so I'm saying I could see yeah. why he would maybe be mad at his mom. But yeah, I mean, also I just did the math in my head. Amentos was just a few years older than Alex. Mm-hmm. And so he definitely would have seen him as a valid rival. I mean, plus Amentos could have claimed, I was king and I was yeah. supposed to be king. Oh yeah, he could say like this whole time, like Philip was just stepping in for me while I was young. I'm grown now. I'm, I'm from ready. The, I'm from the senior line. Yeah. Like, Makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, as you said, Alex probably looked at Cleopatra, his half siblings and just said, there's no reason for that. Well, because what? They're like two or three? Got to be. Yeah. Got to be really young. Yeah. And we're going to uh, take a break here. So, Meredith, I mean, you know, we have millions of fans. We're a very well-established podcast. Oh, yeah. And because we're so established and have millions of fans, you know, we have to have sponsors. Sure. So, here's one of our paid sponsors, uh, Zeus Ammon Paternity. <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this message from Zeus Ammon Paternity. Hello. Do you think Zeus is your daddy? If so, come down to Zeus Ammon Paternity. Here at Zeus Ammon Paternity, we specialize in telling narcissistic, overprivileged youths that Zeus might be their daddy. So, if you think Zeus Ammon Paternity might be able to help you, ask yourself the following questions. 1. Do you think Zeus is your daddy? 2. Are you an overprivileged, narcissistic, self-absorbed, egotistical, noble brat? 3. Have you been told all of your life that you are special, perfect, and destined for greatness? Four, are you surrounded by sycophants and yes-men who are too afraid to tell you when you're about to do something stupid? Five, do you have a big army with lights of pointy six? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, especially the last one, then Zeus Ammon Paternity might be able to help you. Our team of priests have trained for years at confirming what you've already decided is true, that you really are the son of a god and a special snowflake. 
So come visit our one convenient location in the Siwa Oasis in Egypt. We're 350 miles into the desert off of exit 210 and from I-95 and Highway 78 and next to Joe's Tuxedo and Cigar Rental. And remember... And we're back. Hello, Meredith. Hi. So, we got some deaths. News of Philip's death, however, led to several revolts in Greece and north of Macedon. Everything's about to hit the fan. Thebes, Athens, Thessaly, which is just a region in northern Greece, and those Thracian tribes in the north of Macedon. Alexander reacted quickly. This is kind of common, too, is like when there is a new king, and especially if he's young, it's just like... Test the waters. He's just a kid, and they push a little bit. Yeah. And for all everything I hate about Alexander, he's not the one. He is not the one you want to try. Yeah. Because he'll fight you. Actually, as a matter of fact, I mean, his advisors immediately told him, hey, you should try to talk it out with these people. You can probably smooth it out. And he said, no, I want to throw down. Which, again, he's a young he's a young king. He's got to prove his warrior prowess. So, yeah, he's he wants to prove himself. Uh, he took 3,000 cavalry and went to Thessaly. They surrendered immediately. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you, the timeline is a bit wonky for this. Mm. So some of what I'm saying, the order of, of which... Is questioned. Yeah, so one of the more reliable timelines is... After he defeats the Thessalians, he goes down to the Peloponnese, which is the big chunk of Greece in the south, where Sparta is. And then he keeps on going to Corinth. And this is one of my favorite stories. While, while Alexander is in Corinth, he encounters a guy named Diogenes the Cynic. Oh, yeah! Yes! Yeah. Now, Diogenes, we can do another episode later about Hellenistic philosophy because it is very interesting. But Diogenes was the founder of what we would call cynic philosophy. Now, Meredith, cynics and cynicism and being cynical, that's still in our vocabulary. Yeah. What kind of images is it carved for you? Mean old man. There you go. Well, that's not what it meant when Diogenes was developing his philosophy. But he was a mean old man. He was just weird. Yeah. Yeah, so Diogenes, he had this fresh idea. He's like, I'm going to call it cynicism. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> but it was the idea. But he had his philosophy on life was... Basically, he was a hipster. Yeah, I was like, why do we need He's like, this, any of this stuff? This stuff. We don't need this stuff. You don't need things, man. And, and it would all live in the street. That's he right. But you know, by choice. Yeah. And but it was also the typical thing of like that was really easy for him to say because he was born rich. I was about to say, was he rich? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was his. He was uh, either his father or he were was a a money changer. So they were kind of running the local currency in a city in Asia Minor. Mm. So across the pond a little bit. And he got kicked out for corruption. <laughs> and so he just chooses to be poor. And not only does he choose to be poor, but when he does it, it's cool. Yeah. So Diogenes is living on the streets. His whole thing is the rejection of social constructs of society, man. He was like, why would you get a job? That's lame. Why would you get a house? I'm going to live in this giant pot. Because they don't have barrels and crates, you see. Everything's being transported by pottery, even these giant pots. So you would not want to walk barefoot around in Athens because you'll, you'll get a splinter. Stab yourself. Yes. So there's this big hollowed out pot and Diogenes says, I'm going to sleep in this thing. I'm going to go eat in the forum, which doesn't make sense for us. But apparently it was like a social faux pas to eat in the marketplace. Mm. He's going to do it anyway. 
Going to get a little PG-13 for you here. He said, why would you need to go find seclusion to have sex or use the bathroom? Who cares? I'm going to poop in the street. I was about to say, because I doubt anybody was doing the other thing with him. He advocated for it. He also he's like, liked, come on, guys. He also was one of these guys that just wanted to, he was kind of an edgelord in the sense he just wanted to sound badass. Yeah, and he would like shake things up. He would hug statues in the dead of winter because they were cold to make himself stronger. Okay. He was annoying. Mm-hmm. But for people like Alex, Big he's fan. so Big cool. Fan. So apparently while Alex was in Corinth, he encountered Diogenes the Cynic, walked up to him, and what's Diogenes doing? He's just laying sun out, bathing. man. He's sunbathing. He's just sitting there sunbathing, and then he just feels a shadow over him, opens his eyes, and there's Alex, and he's just kind of staring at him like, what? And Alex is just like, hey, man, big fan. Big Think fan. you're awesome. Is there, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And Diogenes said, do you remember Meredith? Get out of my son. Yep. And Alexander was just huh, so impressed. It was so cool. And apparently he said, man, if I wasn't Alexander, I would be Diogenes. And his mother slapped him right? and said, no. And again, if anyone's questioning, why do I hate Alexander? Tell me you respect this man after saying that. While he was there, Corinth was a special place for another reason. When Philip was alive, he was named the Hegemon of the League of Corinth, which was a stupid thing that made no difference whatsoever. It was just a cover, so the Greeks didn't feel like Philip was their king or conquering them. He was like, no, this is just a league. We're just an alliance, and I'm just your general. I'm just in charge. Right, and I can just do whatever I want and tell you to do whatever I want. Now Alex needs to get uh, coronated or given the title of Hegemon of the League of Corinth. And around this time, Athens hears that Alex is in Corinth, and they're freaking out, man. And they send him a message that said, we promise we weren't really rebelling. We surrender. Please don't hurt us. Alexander was apparently in a good mood because he said, sure, and he pardoned them immediately. Well, because by that time, and this is around spring of 335, he's aged He's 21 years old now. He hears about another rebellion in the Balkans north of Macedon. So he runs up there, quickly defeats two kings in the process, and comes back down. And while he's gone, Thebes decided they want to get froggy. So while Alex was in the north, Athens and Thebes, yes, Athens and Thebes, revolted again. The reason we're emphasizing that was because, Dustin, didn't you just say? Didn't we just pardon Athens? Yeah. And apparently they said, JK. <clears throat> because Thebes wanted to get froggy, and Alex was like, totally, yeah, let's do it. Do you remember a guy named Demosthenes? No. He was the guy that went, uh, he went to meet Philip for the first time. He's a diplomat from Athens, and he froze from a panic attack and passed out. <laughs> oh, yeah, did he wake up? He's awake now. He's awake now. He's feeling much better. And he apparently called Alex an idiot boy. <laughs> well, here's a quote here from the Greek writer, Iskenes. When Philip was dead and Alexander had come to the throne, Demosthenes again put on prodigious airs and caused a shrine to be dedicated to Pausanias, the guy who killed Philip. Oh, rude. Right. And he nicknamed Alexander a madman. In Greek, it probably sounded cooler. I was about to yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, but he's a madman. and had the insane. Yes. And he had the effrontery to say that Alexander would never stir out of Macedon, for he was content, he said, to saunter around in Pella, 
the, Ma the uh, Macedonian capital, and keep watch over the omens. And he said that the statement was not based on conjecture, but on accurate knowledge. Demosthenes, having no blood himself, formed this judgment of Alexander, not from Alexander's nature, but from his own cowardice. It's kind of like a... So they're saying, like... He's scared. You don't know that Alexander would do that, but that's what you would do. Yeah, but Demosthenes is... Oh, good point. I really thought about that. Damn it, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, well, Alexander immediately says, that's funny, and he goes south. He's advancing towards Thebes. Other cities were immediately hesitant to fight. Thebes, for some reason, because I told you before, they're stupid. They immediately stand up, and they're ready to throw down with him. I kind of admire that. A little bit. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between bravery and stupidity. And they walk that line every day. Alex quickly defeated Thebes. He raised the city to the ground, divided its territory between its neighbors. And according to Plutarch, this was done mainly because Alex expected that the Greeks would be terrified by so great a disaster and cower down in quiet. But apparently Alex felt bad about this later. Alex makes some mistakes later in life, and he looks back and he thinks, maybe it's because I killed everyone at Thebes. Maybe, maybe. the gods are mad at me. Maybe. But it worked because Athens, for a second time, immediately surrendered. But again, he's just in such a good mood, Meredith, because he was merciful with Athens. Well, he just killed all of Thebes. Exactly. So. And that is exactly what the sources say. They're like, he felt that he had proved his point with Thebes. Yeah. And he didn't need to kill Athens anymore. So with all of his other fronts secured in the north and the Greeks again and again and again, he finally departed for Asia against the Persians. And he left an older general, a guy named Antipater, because he'll come up in a later episode, as the regent for Macedon. So Alex is ready to jump on into Persia, picking, yeah. up, picking up where Daddy Dearest left off. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go declare war on the Persians. Well, as you may recall, Meredith... Philip had actually already started this. This was a project that he had in the works for some time. Remember that guy, Attalus? Yes. The guy at the wedding who, mm -hmm. yeah. He was part of an advance force that uh, Philip had sent into Anatolia with 10,000 troops. After Philip's death, unfortunately, those troops were demoralized and they were defeated by a Persian army. So two years later, in 334, Alex has to pick up where his dad left off, but he has to—well, rather, he can't put, pick up where his dad left off because he's starting from scratch. Yeah. So he crosses over in April of 334 into Asia Minor, and we've tossed out that word a couple—those phrases a couple of times. Asia Minor is the western coast of modern-day Turkey, and Anatolia, okay. Anatolia is— the majority of modern-day Turkey. Okay. In April of 334, Alex crosses into Asia Minor with an army of 54,000 troops and 120 ships. So is there anybody still at home That's an in Macedon? Right, right. That's an excellent point. He only had 30 days' worth of supplies. Got to give the guy credit. It's a gamble. I was about to say, it's good to have a timeline. Yeah. A deadline in mind. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when are we gonna get the sun? Well, we have supplies for thirty days. And is that our? Is that your? Is that your estimated time frame? That's when we're going to start to starve. It's like that is the time frame. Here's um something that Alexander would totally lose his lunch money for today. And the moment he crosses over into Asia Minor, he takes a spear, and he throws it into the ground. And that's his way of saying he accepted Asia as a gift from the gods. Thanks, Dad. 
The next month, in May of 334, Alexander visits Troy, and there he pays tribute to Achilles, while his best buddy and romantic lover Hephaestion pays tribute to Patroclus. Do you know the significance there? Yes, it is alleged, or probably just true, that uh, Achilles and Patroclus dated. Indeed. Um, So they did that, and then everyone ran a naked race around graves. It's rude. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take long for Alex to face his first of three major battles against the Persians. It's the Battle of Granicus. Now, this isn't the Persian king. This is uh, Persian satraps of Anatolia. Alexander um, almost died twice in the battle. But he didn't. Well, fine, Meredith. Yes, that is what he would ultimately say, is that, yes, I didn't die, and that's the point. But he almost done did die a couple of times. So apparently what happens is he impulsively charges after the son-in-law of the Persian king. And while he's charging ahead, another Persian noble named Rosakes hits Alex on the head with his sword. But thankfully, Alex had this ridiculously stupid helmet on, and that protected him. Now, look, everyone had a helmet on. That's fine. Alexander literally had a helmet, I think, of a lion's head because of the Hercules connection. Did he have, like, a regular helmet and he just draped, like, a lion's no, pelt? I don't think so. Over it? You know, you make a good point. It could have just been, like, it could have been very tasteful. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> he uh, someone hit him on the head with their sword, but thankfully his helmet blocked the blow. He had his helmet on, so it's fine. Yeah, and that happened, and Alexander got mad and killed the guy extra hard. As you would. There you go. You get that yawn. I got out. You got that yawn. (laughs) All right. While he's attacking the son-in-law of the king, here comes another Persian noble, Svithridates. Well, he was about to attack Alexander from behind, but thankfully, Clytus, the black, because I think he had black hair, comes up and cuts off the guy's hand mid-sword stroke. It's metal. It is. It's (laughs) hardcore, man. Remember that Clytus did that. Because Alexander's going to thank him in a very personal way. He's going to give him the hand. I'll let you find out. Okay, Um, when the battle is over, when it's all said and done, it is a rout. There is a little over 100 casualties for the Macedonians, very light losses, and thousands of dead Persians. So as a consequence of this, Alexander is able to conquer Sardis, the western capital of the Persian Empire, and then he just starts going down... The coastline, liberating cities as he goes. Lots of Greek cities, taking Persian naval bases. And then he moves inland, conquering more and more cities. Not just Greek and Persian cities, but indigenous Anatolian regions and cities. For instance, the region of Phrygia. The capital city was Gordion. You'll never guess who founded it. Gordias. So there was a legend there that the first king was just a simple farmer, and when he was founding the city, he came in with his ox cart or something, and he tied it to a tree, and the knot was so intricately tied that no one could untie it, except for the person who was destined to be the lord of all Asia. And Alexander took one look at it and said, well, that's stupid, and he just cut it in half with his sword. I was about to say, did he yeah. just cut it? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got it! <laughs> And so Alex installed his generals as replacements to the Persian satraps and all of the territories he conquered. He allowed Greek cities to choose whatever government they wanted, they whatever government type they desired. What mattered to Alex was that he was seen at all times as a replacement to the Persian king. In the year 333, Alex is 23. To start off with, he's finishing up his trip in Anatolia. 
and he gets sick. And he's sick for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he feels better. Oh. And he crosses into Syria. Okay. But then Darius is actually on the way now with a huge army and passes right by him. Darius the Third, the king of Persia. So Alex turns back around and goes back into Anatolia. Get back here. And he's like, hey man, I came to throw down. Mm. Now this is in November. We have the second big battle of Alex's career, the Battle of Essos. The battle starts off bad for the Macedonians. The infantry that famous Macedonian infantry with their 20-foot spears, actually starts getting pushed back. And they're about to crumble when Alex comes in to lead with an infantry charge. Then he just turns around, jumps on a horse, and charges directly at Darius. Now, when Darius sees this, he just freaks out and completely and immediately runs away. I get that. Alexander, of course, chases after him. (laughs) But he gets away, and Alex has to turn back around and start mm. wrapping up the rest of the army. But he lets yeah. him get away, but it's almost one of these things of, you can tell all Alex wants is to just catch this guy. Yeah. And I wonder if he's going to get his wish. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Well, the Persians are defeated that day. Macedonian casualties a little bit worse this time. 500 dead, 5,000 wounded. But Persian casualties are between 20,000 and 40,000. Oh, so it's a wipe. So, as we said, Darius fled the battlefield. I mean, he didn't just do an orderly retreat. He said, deuces, I'm out. And he actually left behind his wife, his two daughters, his mother, (laughs) and a big chunk of the Persian treasury. Darius is kind of a chicken. He immediately asks for a peace treaty with Alex. He offers to give him everything that he's already conquered, anything that Alex has already taken, You could keep it. You can keep my mom. Actually, he does ask for his mom back and his wife back and his daughters back. Okay, so all the all the humans. All the all the important things. Well, I'll spare you all of what Alex says in return, but there's one particular point, one little excerpt to really just rub in here. He says, uh, "So come to me then and ask for your mother. He wants him to come in person. Don't Mm. do this. Don't do this over the phone, man. Don't text me. Your mom deserves to see her son show up in person." And Alex says, "Like I'm going to treat them really well. Don't worry about that." And he actually says, "You should come see me. And if you're afraid, send one of your buddies to just." you know, make sure that I'm telling the truth. So then come to me and then ask for your mother, your wife and children, and whatever you wish and take them. You shall have whatever you persuade me to give. And in the future, when you send to me, do not correspond as an equal, but petition me as your king, king of Asia, lord of all your possessions, if you have need of anything. Otherwise, I shall make plans to treat you as refractory. But if you object and lay claim to sovereignty, stand your ground and fight for it. And do not take to flight, since I shall pursue you wherever you are. To discuss your car's extended warranty. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) It's like, come get your mother. I thought you were going to get your mother. So Alex says no. Take your ransom. Take your peace treaty and do something nice with it because it was well, well written, but no. He didn't I'm say no, did he? <laughs> he did say no. He said no. I mean, I'm not going to give up. He said, you can come have your mom and your daughters 
and oh, wife. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought the guy was just asking for his family back, in which case Alex was like, yeah, come get them. No, he actually offered Alex half of the empire. Okay. And Alex is just saying, like, no, I'm going to take it all. Yeah. But you can have your mom. You can give up and I'll take everything, uh, but that's it. And I don't care about your mom and your wife and your kids, man. That's fine. So Alex refused the ransom, and he kept Darius's family with him. In fact, he went a step further, and he eventually just went ahead and married one of his daughters. I was about to, I was waiting for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think until the end, he actually kept Darius's mom and his wife with him and treated them very well, and apparently when the mom died, like one of her last words was just how much she was impressed by Alex, which I'm sure was absolute propaganda. Yeah, she's now, like, oh my gosh, you're so much nicer than my husband. <laughs> but this was actually one of the first signs of Alex's grand plans. He's not trying to destroy the Persian Empire. He was trying to conquer it and mm -hmm. take it over. And he wanted to present himself as the new king of Asia, or the new king of Persia. So with this done, now he's going to keep going down in Syria and the Levantine coast, and most of the cities immediately give up along the way, but not the city of Tyre. Alex makes a very, um, a very plausible request. He just says, hi, I'd like to make a sacrifice at the temple of Hercules in your city. And Tyre says, absolutely not. <laughs> and Alex says, actually, yes, I'm going to. And he made a speech to his troops that basically said, I, I did read it, it was hilarious, because it does start with, and Alex wanted to make a sacrifice at the Temple of Hercules, and the Tyrians said no. And at that moment, Alex went to his troops and basically said, we just got to take this city. We'll never be safe if, safe if we don't take this city. Well, at first, the, the Tyrians weren't afraid of this at all, because they said that their city was unconquerable, to which Alex replied, essentially, hold my beer. Mm -hmm. Now, this was on an island, and so what does he do? To the boats. Actually, no. There's another old city over there. Go destroy that city. Get all the rocks, all the lumber. We're building a bridge. Oh, God. And it took him about seven months. Caesar built a bridge? Yes. Across the Rhine River, I think. Mm -hmm. This bridge is bigger. Oh. And they would be those two kind of guys to compare bridges, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that no, it's like a, it was like a full land bridge, oh, and wow. you can tell, like, yeah, he connected the island to the mainland. And so you know like what? The people on the island are just seeing them get a little closer each day, and they're like, oh. Yeah, it starts off with they'll never do that. Then it goes to like, wow, they're not. Look giving at them up. trying to do it. Look at them making progress. Oh, that's cute. oh, oh my god, god. Look they're at them actually going to do progress. it. He's almost here. Do we build our own bridge out the back? No? Okay. <laughs> Into the Mediterranean. Where does it go? Anywhere but here. Well, let me tell you how big of a deal this was, Meredith. It's a big deal. He made it. It's a pretty big deal. So Tyre was an island? Not anymore. No. And to this day, it's not an island. Oh, good. Yeah. Now, again, how much of that Make was a direct consequence? Island again. <laughs> That's a campaign slogan. Seven months later, Tyre is taken. The king and the government were allowed to leave, which is odd because they're the ones that mouthed off to Alexander, but the men were massacred and the women and children sold into, sold into slavery. That's always sad. Yeah. On to Egypt. Most of the towns submit to Alex. So Egypt's part of the Persian Empire? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. At, uh, Egypt had been conquered by the second Persian king, 
Cambyses. Is there still an Egyptian dynasty? Yeah. Okay. So the Egyptians... Okay, so the Persians are just like the overlords of Egypt. They're the pharaoh. But you still have a... Oh. Yeah. The way the Egyptian government and populace sees this, they're not... They're not unaccustomed to having a foreign pharaoh. Yeah. They don't really like it, but... They're about to have one. <laughs> they are about... a couple centuries. Yeah, exactly. It seems like most of Egypt welcomed Alexander as a liberator. They're like, this is fine. Yeah, they had rebelled against Persians before. This is fine. Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, like, I just can't be bothered. Yeah, today. exactly. It's like, you're the new pharaoh. Okay, the pharaoh. And indeed, fine. he gets crowned as the, or coronated, whatever, crowned <laughs> as the pharaoh in Memphis. You ready for his royal name? Zeus is my dad. A little bit, but the Egyptian version. Chosen by Ra, beloved Aww. by Amon, Alexandros, protector of Egypt. The brave ruler who has attacked foreign lands. The ruler of the rulers of the entire land. The sturdy armed one. The lion, great of might, who takes possession of mountains, lands, and deserts. The bull who protects Egypt. The ruler of the sea and of what the sun encircles. So... So Alex. Yeah, this is Alex. So we're still in 332 right now. This he's How old tw- is he? 24. God dang he's it. He's almost dead. Almost dead. Almost dead. It's going to speed up because Ugh. he's just going to start doing loop-de-loops God soon. Moses. So in December of 332, he has to go consult the oracle at the temple of Amon-Ra at the Siwa Oasis because Alex heard that the priests at that temple knew what they were talking about. And if you thought that your dad was a god, those were the guys that to could tell you. To tell you that your, your dad was a, a god. god. Alex had traced his descent from Zeus. His mom had told him this from day one, probably. And he figured that the priest could help him. It's one of those situations where no one was going to tell Alex he was wrong, but he even knew. It's just like, I just I just need someone to just... It's like, you just, know... They, can you tell me that Zeus is my dad? They keep saying my mom's lying because she hates my real, my dad's guts, but... I, I think, think I so. really am the son of Zeus. So Alex and his army do the, 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 the logical thing. Yep. March straight into the desert. Yep. Get lost. Yeah. Finally meet a pair of talking snakes. YOLO. Who offer to be their guides. Mm-hmm. Alexander says, that makes sense. Let's follow those two talking snakes. But don't worry, Meredith. That's just one story. The other story is that it was two birds. You just, I think it's more realistic for it to be a snake. I like the I, I like the visual of the snakes just kind of slithering into the, the horizon with the, the sand just swirling yeah. about them. Yeah. So when Alexander got there, he was immediately proclaimed as the son of Ammon. This is a quote from the sources. He received the answer his soul desired, as he said, and turned back towards Egypt and started going back. There you go. So again, it's just going to be like, quick, he got the answer he wanted. He was like, he, quick... <laughs> I'm going to run down to the store really quick. Yeah. Let's go 350 miles into the desert. I got to check on something. All right, right, turn around. It's basically oh, like when I'm like telling the, you. It's like the office. It's a fun run. When like oh, yeah. Toby's there, he's like, where are we? She's like, I don't know, like three kilometers from the office. He's like, couldn't have just made it a circle. Exactly. And thereafter, Alexander called himself the son of Zeus Ammon. Hmm. Because the Greeks equated Ammon with Zeus. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, to the Greeks, this just sounds like a prophecy. Like, oh, my God. He's really the son of Zeus. But what they didn't realize, apparently, is that all pharaohs got this title. Which I think is hilarious. Well, we don't need to tell them that. Exactly. It's just like, like, oh, my God, he's really the son of Zeus. And you had the local Egyptians like, 
every fair release. Yeah, it's kind of like this a standard position description. So while in Egypt, Alexander founded a city called Alexandria. I don't know if that is important today or not. Oh my gosh, Meredith, what happened? Well, Dustin, we decided that there's too much stuff going on in Alexander's life to fit it into just one episode. So we're going to pick up with part two next week. You mean we're just going to stop here and then make people wait a week to find out what happened after Alexander was in Egypt? Yes. So join us next time for Alexander Part 2. And if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating or review. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Facebook at the Alexander Standard Podcast or on Instagram at Alexander Standard Pod. Or you can also email us at alexanderstandardpod at gmail.com. All right. And this has been the Alexander Standard.